Welcome to the Eagle and Child podcast, where we share the stories and thoughts of church history's heroes to inspire and equip the church of today. I'm your host, Leila Nahavandi, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Eagle and Child podcast. I am super excited about our next guest today. Her name is Tiffany Voss, aka Girl Boss Voss, and uh, she is going to be telling us all about John Bunyan. Um, she is married to Brian. Her and her husband are part of the Theos University community, and, and they were co-founders there. Um, she's living in Palm Springs at the moment, was from Canada has been in ministry her whole life, building um, her dad's church. She's super prophetic. She is just an amazing woman of God. And I'm so excited to have her sharing on John Bunyan today. So welcome, Tiff. It's so great to have you with us. Oh, it's so great to be here. So you're talking about John Bunyan today. We, I don't, I've previously said to you, I don't know that much about John Bunyan. And we feel like not many people actually do. Um, yeah. So yeah, can you give us a bit of an in- introduction to who this guy is? Um, why should we know him as Christians? So John Bunyan was actually the author. You might have heard of the like his best-selling book. It was Pilgrim's Progress. Yes. And yes. Um, Yeah, so I was introduced to that book as a child, and it made such a huge impact on uh, me at a young age. I think I was like seven, Uh, Mm -hmm. maybe I was eight, but um, I read it because I went to a Christian school, and it was kind of like the required reading. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And it seemed like the type of book that I just never would have like picked up on my own, Mm -hmm. and um, I got into it, and it opened up a revelation of the kingdom of God for my small child brain that I had never thought of before. You know, when you're a kid, your world is so small Mm -hmm. and you have your parents and you have your church and you have your school friends and whatever you do, but you're not thinking about like the 3000 foot level of your life and about, you know, Christianity or about God even. And, um, Mm -hmm. I just remember sitting there thinking about, uh, you know, the, the main character, his name is Christian. So the book is an allegory. Wow. And it's uh, uh, basically about the Christian walk mm. and um, and how this young man, Christian, he comes across all these different characters and some are helping him down the path that to, to the kingdom and toward the king. And then some are kind of steering him off course and off path. And uh, and then he goes through like up mountains and through valleys. And it's just this really beautiful allegory mm. of the Christian walk. Right. So. Um, as a kid, I'm, I'm I was opened up to the realities and uh, spiritual realities. Mm kingdom of God and my walk with the Lord and how, um, you know, all these different characters and all these different uh, things that he goes through, seasons that he goes through, um, just really um, lend themselves to drawing you into the big scope of God, the the large Mm. picture that, you know, um, I don't know, it was just really, really powerful. Mm. So anyway, John Bunyan, um, not not a lot of people know about him. Um, mm. He was basically uh, born in the 1600s. Yeah, uh, well. born in, in England quite a while ago. <laughs> quite a while ago, so he's pretty old by now. Yeah, pretty old. And, yeah, <laughs> and uh, he he lived. Um, he didn't live a long life, um, but the life that he did live was was mm. interesting and impacting. And as a matter of fact. Um, 
he lived to be about 60 years old and he wrote, wow. I guess, 60 books in that time. And there, four of them are more popular. So Pilgrim's oh, Progress wow. would have been the most popular. Mm -hmm. uh, he wrote one uh, called The Holy War. And mm. then he wrote another one called, um, I forget. <laughs> That's fine. I forget the yeah. other one. But those are yeah. like some of his more popular. There's like three or four that are a little more popular. He he lived to be about 60 and he wrote 60 things or 60 books. Wow. And out of all the ones that he wrote, he wrote two allegories and the rest of them were apparently just expanded sermons. So he was really wow. a Puritan preacher. Wow. And yeah, it, it's really interesting because the time in history that he kind of uh, became a preacher and wrote these books was during the restoration of the, the like the Puritan movement was basically the restoration of what am I trying to say? The church, like the, the, the early church or the early church. Yeah. So yeah. like because the kings and queens of England were mm. they were not English. They didn't have mm. English blood in them. Right. Like they were Germans and they were Russians yes. and they were Romans and they were. And so in their countries, Angles. they were primarily ca yeah. Catholic. Right. Yeah. So they're coming into England and they're bringing their Catholicism and they're bringing mm. the rituals and they're bringing those things and they're bringing them into the church. Yeah. And um, and after the Reformation, you know, England was like, we need that here. And, and we mm. need, so the Puritans were really Calvinists mm. and they were trying to bring uh, that religious reform back to England yeah. to get rid of the Catholic relics that were introduced to the mm. church in England. But of course, at that time, the king had the census. It was actually the late 1500s. The king had a census that forbade people to preach or to gather outside of five people in their household. Crazy. Preaching from anything other than the authorized Bible and the authorized book of hymns in their Anglican churches. And so... That five people rule sounds like a bit like Australia with COVID. <laughs> hello? Canada too. Yeah. yeah we I, weren't allowed to sing in church on Sunday. I, I heard about we that. We sang. I love that. I love that. You know... No, yeah, that the government is not our god. Yeah, I think he I think John Bunyan is just like such a cool dude and mm. his time in history like when he emerged was so critical. Mm. Uh, he was he was a part of like a rebel band basically. Wow. And um so he grew up going to just the regular Anglican church like the the mm -hmm. church in Barstow where he was born with his family and his dad uh was basically a modern day hard work he like a tinker, right? Like they're just like modern day hardware store oh, guys. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They fix it then and they kind of mm -hmm. jack of all trades. And, and so he was raised in that, but he ended up going into the parliamentary army. Wow. And yeah, I'm learning so much history. Yes. Studying this stuff, it's like amazing. And I love yeah. England because, of yeah. course, I'm loyal to the crown being a Canadian. Absolutely. Same with us. Love, yeah. God save the Queen. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I. I just found it so interesting because he was a part of um, the, this army where in one of his books, oh, it was um, being saved by grace, something like that. Yeah, awesome. A sinner in the hands of grace or something like that. Mm. And he talks about how, you know, he just lived like such a rebel. He lived a oh. total backslidden lifestyle when he was a part of the army. But there was one thing that happened was he was supposed to go out into a regiment um, he was supposed to go out to war with his regiment. Mm. And this young man who was a part of another regiment that was really eager to go to battle 
went into his bunk and said, Hey, John, like, please switch with me. I'm dying to get on the battlefield. Like I'm dying to go, you know, kick some butt. And John was like, fine. Like you can take my place. I'll stay back. I'll be you. You can be me. That day that young man died. Wow. And and John looks back at Mm. the grace of God on his life. And he goes like that, that could have been me. Mm. And he just begins to recount in one of his books, the great, the hand of God upon his life. And he recounts all these different moments in his life where he was like, no, that was the Lord. And it caused him to kind of um, have a spiritual reality. Mm. So when he left the army, um, he records that he was walking in town one day. He he went back to work for his father and he saw a group that were um, congregating around, um, like a group of women, I believe it was, Mm. who were congregating and they were talking about theology. Wow. And he kind of popped by because there were some questions in his heart and questions in his mind about God and what he had learned, you know, throughout his life and then his experience in the army. Mm-hmm. And he really, what they were talking about and how they were talking about the church and, and about mm-hmm. Jesus and about theology really struck a chord in him. And he was yeah. like, these people have it. Like, this is true. Mm-hmm. And I need to I need to listen to what they're saying. And it turned out yeah. that those women um, were the members or founders. Okay, women, women, church, <laughs> which it's church? Pretty cool. It's pretty cool. They founded. Uh, it's called the Meeting House or the Wow Bedford Free Church is what it was. Bedford Free Church, Amazing. and they were a nonconformist group. So they were the ones that were wow. like, we're not conforming to whatever the king and queen mm-hmm. are telling us to worship. Like we, they were bringing like you know the they were bringing basically like the Puritan um, yeah. truths and doctrinal truths and mm-hmm. um, Orthodox Christianity back to mm-hmm. England. That's but they had this like underground meeting house. And they weren't allowed to do this. Like this was outlawed. And so he joined this church and uh, he records that the elders of the church and a lot of the women just began to notice a preach on him. And he just learned and he he learned as much as he could. And they just were like, John, like you need Mm. to be released. You have a gift to preach. Wow. And he was like, okay. And so he started preaching and then he started traveling a bit. Which is still illegal, right? Every, all of yeah. this is illegal. Yeah, yeah. All of this is illegal. Like he's not supposed to be doing this. And mm-hmm. he had gotten citations. He had gotten fines. He had, mm-hmm. uh, they had put him in jail for a bit. And under this, I think I mentioned it before, under the, mm-hmm. um, I forget what it's called. It, it's basically that law where you're not allowed preaching. Yeah. Anything but from the Anglican church. Um, he, uh, a p- part of that was you can be thrown in jail um, or deported like they'll kick you out of england and send you to australia yeah exactly the criminal <laughs> the criminal country <laughs> yeah and or or you can be killed like wow. you can be beheaded and so he he basically was just like i'm not gonna stop mm. and now at this point he he had married a woman but they, there's no recording of who he had married but they had mm. four children mm-hmm. the first daughter was blind and so now he's getting in trouble. Like he's, he's a well, he's a household name now. People know John Bunyan because mm-hmm. he's just like, he's a preacher and he's going for it and he, no one can stop him, you know? So they're all like, yeah. oh, that guy that won't shut up. And, <laughs> yes. you know, just like sit down and be quiet, John, stop yeah. preaching. You're getting us all in trouble. You know, he was just like, no, like the, I'm going to preach the word of God. Mm-hmm. And he, he actually, um, 
he talks about this in one of his, he says, I will stay in prison till the moss grows on my eyelids rather than disobey God. Wow. Come on. And, and so he went, he went to prison for 12 years. That was like the largest extent of his imprisonment. And the most interesting thing was that he wrote a Pilgrim's Progress while he was in prison. Incredible. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. I think that was the first book that he wrote. It wasn't published until about three years after he was released from prison, but it's just, you know, I I imagine that John Bunyan was the type of guy that like just couldn't settle himself down. Like he just had to keep going. Oh, absolutely. If you write 60 books and you're, by the time you're 60 years old, yeah, you're not, you're not sleeping. (laughs) But it, it made me wonder like, you know, some of us need like, we need to like go to jail before yes. we get something out of us. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, like, totally. I wonder if he just like couldn't sit still long enough mm. to write anything. Yeah, and all wow. of a sudden he goes to jail, and all this stuff starts coming out of him. Yeah. And you know, even after he died, it was even more popular. Like, we're still mm. reading this book today, yeah, at, like hundreds of later and it's having Mm. the same impact and so yeah just like I just found that really fascinating because sometimes you know for us when we moved to the desert yeah I left and I left all the stuff and I'm home full-time with my kids I don't know anybody yeah I'm not having play dates I'm not hanging out I'm like (laughs) at home yeah and like I've had had these thoughts before like god like what are you doing to me (laughs) I feel like I am I'm literally. Am like, I Job? <laughs> I'm in prison right now. Yeah. Like, what do you want out of me? Yeah. Like, sque- God is squeezing something out of me right now. Amen. And I don't know what. Really yeah. Um, I just thought that was cool. He's like, he was like a modern day Paul, you know. And Paul Absolutely. wrote his letter from prison. Absolutely. You know, ministry doesn't stop when you're incarcerated. Amen. I love that. And also what I love about that is often we think of the persecuted church in, you know, the Middle East or in China or in North Korea. Um, But to think of these people who were persecuted for their faith in England, in, you know, these countries only a few hundred years ago um, is actually pretty crazy. And it's sort of eye-opening for us as well of how quickly things can change in the future as well and how ready we need to be to defend our faith and to have that deep faith and commitment to God. So, yeah, I love that about John. Absolutely. And, Mm -hmm. you know, even before he, I think it was a year and a half before he went to prison, Mm -hmm. his wife passed away. And he was one year with three, with four kids and a blind daughter. And, um, and then just before he went to prison, I believe he married a young, an 18 year old girl named Elizabeth. Wow. And she took care of his children for the entire time. And she worked hard to try and get him out of jail, but they had no money because he couldn't work. So they relied on the church's generosity to provide so they her and his four children lived um basically off of whatever the churches could could provide for them wow yeah hopefully it was more than secondhand clothes (laughs) well you never know right i mean i don't think think england was rich at that point yeah that's true it's pretty bad but i think like it's it is interesting like i mean this guy didn't live an easy life and he, yes. you know, he had every opportunity to, you know, just not do it. He mm. had every opportunity to just quit preaching, yeah. you know, 
stop fulfilling the call of God in his life, to yep. just, you know, hunker down, keep his mouth shut, yep. work, become a tinker, provide for the kids. And, mm. but like, I don't know, he just the conviction that he had, even in that quote that I read, you know, where he's like, I'd rather let, you know, mm. <laughs> I'll stay in prison till the moss grows on my eyelids, mm. you know, yeah. rather than disobey God. So he had such an intense, um, yeah, mm. a, an intense conviction about serving the Lord mm. um, through through that. That's so beautiful. So, and the other interesting thing was that from prison, he actually was pastoring. So wow. the the church, the Bedford Meeting Church, where he mm. kind of had his conversion, um, they asked him while he was in prison. They were mm. like, "Hey, would you mind being the pastor of our church?" And he accepted. Wow. So, <laughs> write sermons. Yeah, so this is, I believe, where most of his other books came from. They were expounded wow. sermons. So he would write sermons from prison and they would read them. And Crazy. so that's how he pastored. Yeah. Wow. How long did he do that for? The whole 12 years or? The whole 12 years, yeah. Well, wow. I believe it was. I mean, I yeah. don't have the exact dates, but I yeah. believe it was his duration. Could have been a year or two into it. But yeah. wow, that's amazing. Incredible. Incredible. So Tiff, that's that's a great background to him and, and his spiritual formation and everything. Can you tell us, um, I know you've mentioned some of the big works, but can you tell us some more about, you know, what is he most well known for? What are these works? What are they all about? Um, and then if there's some big events that he sort of, you know, went through in his life and that sort of thing, that would be great as well. Yeah. So, I mean, the biggest one, yeah. The biggest one is Pilgrim's Progress. Yeah. And uh, someone said it is regarded as one of the most significant works of religious theological fiction. Wow. So, yeah, in English literature. So wow. it's it's because the whole thing is an allegory um, mm. about the Christian life. Yeah, he, he makes it so understandable. Mm. You know, it's not like it's not you're, you're, you're basically eating theological syrup. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yes. It's, it's you don't know there's broccoli down. in there, but it's in there. No. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Exactly. And it, it, it's like a child can understand it and wow. an adult. And I was mm -hmm. talking to some friends like, hey, did you ever read that book? And um, my one friend was like, I just started reading it to my kids. And she said, yeah. I had to buy the adult copy for myself because she was like, wow. I was captures with it. And um, she said, like, so many big theological ideas for the mm, Christian life. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I would recommend it for new Christians, to be honest. Amazing. Like, yeah, it is, totally. It so and I actually, I actually wanted to show you this copy. Yes, I love it. This is such a cool copy. I just got yeah. this from a um, it's Little Pilgrim's Big Journey. So if you're a parent oh, out there amazing. and you want to read Pilgrim's Progress to your kid, the the main book is a little um, wordy, is a little heady. There's no pictures, really. Yeah. You can get some that are um, illustrated. But I would highly recommend this. This just came out awesome. last year. It was wow. printed in Canada, yes. um, which is good for Americans, though, because it's cheaper for you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but the back says, believe the king's word, follow the king's path, and seek the king's city. Beautiful. And, uh, I love like that. Book summed up. So this is by, um, I want to tell you, it's I think it's called Lido Press. Okay. Oh, Lethos. Lethos. Okay. L-I-T-O-S. <laughs> lethoskids.com but awesome. anyway that's a that's a it's a beautiful it's illustrated it looks and it's gorgeous paraphrased. oh it's beautiful. paraphrased for kids 
So I'm going to start reading this to my kid. But anyway, Beautiful. highly recommend if you want to read this to your kids. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, so that's that's a that's a huge one. Um, and, and what sort of happens but, throughout um, that book? If you could tell us, like, maybe give us a bit of a rundown on, oh, on man. what it's all about. There's so much. And, okay, so yeah. There's two books of this book. Yeah. And basically, I couldn't even, like, give you all of the characters' names, but every section <laughs> yeah. of the book blends into a new character. Yeah. And he, and he's on a new journey to somewhere mm. else, okay? Mm. So He's a, he goes to the city of destruction. There's obviously a lot of like negative ones because yes. how much know it in life? It's not all mm-hmm. great. Yeah. So the city of destruction, the city of despair, mm-hmm. the interpreter's house, the place of deliverance, the place beautiful, the valley of humiliation, vanity fair. So mm-hmm. he he basically has a Bible in his hands and he's on this journey mm-hmm. and he knows he has to get to the king city. So good. And so it's just like it's a huge it's a huge big picture mm-hmm. of this boy named Christian. Mm. who is on his way to the kingdom and he's seeking mm. the king and he has this book in his hand and it's full of truth and mm. he has to use and re- and read the truth to set him free for these different situations that he faces with different people that he encounters and the different mm. struggles that he encounters mm. and um yeah so it's just about him on his journey to the kingdom and of course it's a full simile for us as christians on our way Mm. to the kingdom of god right Mm. and we are obviously already members of the kingdom of god but Mm. our eventual um destination in eternity so beautiful so yeah that's basically it and there's two parts to it like there's two full sections to the book Mm. um he wrote a follow-up one the first section is just about Christian being on his way to the city. And then the mm-hmm. second part of the book, which I actually have not read, mm-hmm. but I am going to, awesome. um, it's about him getting married and having a family. Oh, wow. That's cool. So, yeah. Yeah. And you know what? I really wish someone would make a movie. Yeah. Like a Pilgrim's movie. I feel like this would be just as cool as like Lord of the Rings. Absolutely. I've seen like a cartoon version of it. I don't know if you've seen the cartoon oh, one. Your kids will probably love it. Yeah. Really? Um, I'll, I'll send you the link for, for you girls. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, I've never seen a live. I, I agree with you. It, it's it's right up there with like Narnia and, and oh, um, yeah. Lord of the Rings, 100%. But like far more, it, it's far more accurately Christian. You know, you're not like. <laughs> yes. Not second guessing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But. Well, because um, the, the names of the people are literally like evangelist and hopeful and stuff like that, aren't they? And patience. Faithful. And, and, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so, and um, piety. One of them is uh, yeah. piety. And Very them explicit. Is, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so then another book which, okay, I'm not going to lie to you, I have not read his other works. Yeah, neither um, have I. So you're teaching me about him. I don't <laughs> I don't know his other ones. I've read Pilgrim's Progress, but not the other ones. So he has one called Grace Abounding to the Chief of Sinners. And this one mm-hmm. kind of um, dialogues his conversion. Okay. And it, it talks about some of the things that he went through uh, mm-hmm. as a child and in the parliamentary army days. Okay. And then his, his experience in life and in ministry. Mm-hmm. And then it's also a theological book talking about the grace of God, doctrine of grace and sin. Wow, cool. And I'm excited to read that one because I feel like that's going to be, it's going to be intense. And there's like, yeah. I, like I've read some quotes from it 
And yeah, it sounds really good. And then the third mm. one would be, this would be his, his next biggest book. I'd say he, yep. he's probably most well known for these three books, like Pilgrim's Progress, yep. um, Grace Abounding to the Chief of Sinners, and then The Holy War. Mm. And um, I believe it is, it's about just like being holy, like the mm. holiness and, and living a holy life mm. and uh, the war within. Yeah. The wow. war for holiness, you know, because of course it is, it is a war that we, that we struggle with in our daily lives. Yeah. So he is a very great guy. <laughs> yes. Well, on that as well, um, maybe Tiff, can you tell us a little bit about like, well, how do we connect that to like our cultural context? Like what can we get out of John Bunyan's say Pilgrim's Progress and and his work and his writing and even his life. How can that sort of inspire us and equip us in this cultural moment that we're living in right now? Yeah, well, I think it's important for us to have a theology of suffering, an accurate mm, yeah, wow. theology of suffering. Mm. And uh, I think that we've come out of a time of great prosperity and yes. um, great pleasure and. <laughs> about this the other day you know we were talking about like the sin of sodom and yeah wow what like why mm. did god choose to just do away with that entire yeah. place and yeah. and basically the their sin was they had an abundance of bread mm. they had they had idle hands mm. and abundance of bread idle hands and i think it has something to do with pleasure Wow. But, you know, I think of just our culture and I think of the times mm. that, yeah, we have an abundance of bread. We have mm. you know, whatever we want. It's at our, yeah. it's at our fingertips. We have, totally. we have pleasure. We have an abundance yeah. of pleasure and it's an anything you want society mm. and anything goes because everything's accessible yeah. and, uh, and we want moral relativity and mm. we want to be able to justify what we're doing and what breed totally. of sin we're into. And I, and I also think, I think it creeps into the church when people, when they can't handle the luxury taken away or they can't handle, mm, you know, yeah. the, the doctrine of sin. Oh, like, oh, you mean to be more like Jesus? I have to mm. suffer more. Like, oh, you mean to be more like Jesus? I have to die to myself more. Wow. Yeah. I don't want to. Mm. And I think, you know, when we read about authors and we mm. think of people who had such insane, immense suffering mm. in their lives, yeah, uh, it's it's important to remember that mm. we we too are supposed to share in the suffering of Christ. Wow, it's important to remember that like these people didn't view mm. this earth as their home. They yeah, that's great. Come on, like when I read Pilgrim's Progress, mm. like yeah, you see this man's perspective. His totally. perspective was not on earth. Totally. He knew his destination wasn't here. Mm. So he just had such a clear glimpse mm. of eternity. And yeah. you know, I can think of one other book that I've read that was really a really powerful eternal um, allegory. And that was by John Bevere. He, he wrote uh, mm. Driven by Eternity. And the first portion of that book, he tells an allegory about eternity. And I remember reading that and mm. thinking of Pilgrim's Progress. Yeah, it wow. was like so accurate. Wow. And um, I would highly recommend that book to someone who wants to get that, mm. like, you know, 3,000 perspective. Level. But yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So I think, you know, yeah, for John Bunyan, it was like really like we, the way, the way up is down. So 
I really appreciate John Bunyan's, um, you know, learning about his life and understanding for the context from which he wrote was understanding God's grace, understanding God's Mm -hmm. mercy, understanding eternity and understanding like, yeah, suffering happens and Mm -hmm. it doesn't push me further from God. Mm -hmm. I know God through my suffering. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, totally. Yeah, yeah, I think that's I think that's a good word for our day. Totally. totally <laughs> I think it's a agree. good word for our young people. Mm, absolutely. You know? Especially as the world is getting darker and darker and crazier and crazier. Um, yeah. yeah, it's it's definitely a message of hope, I think, to say no matter what, like he's the yeah. solid rock on, on which we stand, you know. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. And, you know, there's so many, so many young people that um, they just have this super small, it's just such a small worldview. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yes, yeah. like we're on our phones all day and young people yeah. are on their phones all day and, <laughs> uh, and their, and their world, although they think it's big because of internet and social media it's not it's so small Mm -hmm. and I think like even for my kids the greatest thing that I can impart to my children is reality of a of a life outside of this that this doesn't this is not like this is your reality right in this moment Mm -hmm. but this is not going to be your reality in heaven like I want to give you a picture Mm. of what your life is going to look like in heaven and i want to give you a glimpse of that so you can live your life on purpose and um yeah and and not get caught up in whatever the culture wants to Mm. you know say or do or how they want to treat you like you know just fixing your eyes on on what's real Come so, on. That's really- I love that, Tiff. That's so good. That's so good. Yeah. Um, can you share maybe a few of your favorite quotes from John Bunyan, some, yeah, yeah. Some, some of his most famous quotes or something that sort of impacted you? Yes. So, okay, so just on that whole thought of, like, suffering and sorrow, mm-hmm. he has some <laughs> deep quotes that you're like, whoa, okay, this guy has been through it. And one, one yeah. thing that he says in Pilgrim's Progress is he says, dark clouds bring, bring waters when the bright bring none. So, you know, just that thought that like, don't like, don't always want sunshine because if there's always sunshine, there's no rain and we need rain. You know, we need, we need the rain. And another one he said is, um, it is said that in some countries trees will grow, but will bear no fruit because there's no winter there. Wow. So like you need a winter season, right? Mm, you need yeah, you need right. that season where like it looks everything looks barren, but there's actually something going on. There's something going on deep, right? Because the roots need rest. And I've also actually heard a, a sermon which was really cool where it talked about how during the winter season all of the nutrients go from the branches to the roots. Wow. And they all of the nutrients go right back down into the root system and it supports the root system all year round so that the next year the tree bears more fruit because it supports the root system. Yeah. Isn't that a good thought? Yeah. It's a great picture. Oh, this is a good one. What God says is best indeed is best though. All men in the world are against it. Wow. Seeing then that God prefers his religion, Mm. seeing God prefers a tender conscience, seeing they that make themselves fools for the kingdom of heaven are wisest and that the poor man that loves Christ is richer than the greatest man in the world that hates him. Shame, depart, 
thou art an enemy to my salvation. Wow. That's Isn't that powerful. cool? Yeah. I love that one. So he's like, hey, I'm not receiving shame. Mm. Has no because I mean, think of the shame that yeah. you would feel if you were in prison and you had four a wife and yeah. four kids. And you're like, I feel ashamed of myself. I can't even provide. Yeah. I can't even like, you know, do what my one responsibility is mm. for my family to help them. So I bet I, I bet he wrote that while he was just fe- like battling with that mm. internal struggle of like, I I should be providing for my family. What am I doing in prison? Yeah, wow. Wow. You know? But, you know, God had different plans. Yeah. And, and he's obviously having that revelation as he's writing of, of that reality yeah. that, yeah, God supersedes that. I love that. Exactly. Um, this oh. one's cool. He says, yeah. um, the man that takes up religion for the world mm-hmm. will throw away religion for the world. Yes, totally. Right? <laughs> So it's, it is interesting, like mm. having it's like, oh, you want a public ministry? Mm. <laughs> well, wait till they, they turn on you. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, kind of reminds me of that, that's that quote, like those that live by the sword will die by the sword. Yeah. Or if wow. you live for the praises of men, you'll die yes. by the criticism. Absolutely. You know, those are good yeah. too. Um, he's, he talks, this one's in the Holy War. He yep. says, nothing can hurt you except sin. Mm. Nothing can grieve me except sin. Nothing can defeat you except sin. Mm. Therefore, be on your guard, my man soul. Wow, beautiful. Yeah. I'll give you another one here. Pray often, for prayer is a shield to the soul, a sacrifice mm. to God, and a scourge for Satan. Yes, come on. I love any quotes about prayer. <laughs> yeah. Tell me about it. I need to be reminded more often to pray mm, too. Yes, same. <laughs> it's like, yeah, give me all the quotes on prayer. I need I need that. Mm. My soul needs that. Totally. And I think it's great because I think his revelation of prayer just shows you that in those dark moments as he's sitting in jail and he's, you know, thinking about his kids and his wife and all that sort of stuff, he has that deep relationship with God where he it's just him and God and he's talking to God and God's giving him revelation and he's writing and yeah I love I love that picture of that that relationship that he had yeah he he was definitely um a really interesting guy the interesting thing was that for progress when he when it was published it was published three years right outside of um after he got out of prison so he really made no money immediately off of that but it ended up being um, one of the first um, the first novels that was published wow. in, that broke 1,300 copies made. Like Amazing. record. Wow. Yeah. And uh, he, he, the, it says that he made less money than his publisher. So, it, it, like, for me, I'm, like, trying to work out. I'm like, okay, was he just not a savvy businessman? Or <laughs> yeah. was he? Was he honestly just like, this is for the Lord and I'm not trying to make money, you know, like I just, I just want this book to get out and I feel like God put this in my heart. So Mm -hmm. I don't care. You know, apparently he didn't die. He didn't, he didn't die in poverty. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he provide after he he was released from prison, he was able to provide for his family. He was still in popularity. People still wanted to have him come preach. He was writing more books. Um, He was selling, you know, his, his book, 
Um, but apparently, so he, he died in, when did he die? So he was 60 years old, right? When he died. Mm -hmm. And so he died in 16, 1688, I believe it was. And his book was published in 1678. And four years after he died, because he died, like he died, like, I don't know, 60 years old, that's pretty young, right? Yeah. And he was he was on the way somewhere. He got a cold or a flu and it killed him. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of sad. I was like, oh, that's oh, how we died. Okay. Yeah. But a lot of authors, a lot of great people sometimes have just like these measly deaths. You're like, <laughs> oh, like, okay. I thought like it would have been more her- heroic than that, you know? Yeah. Cut his toe on a nail, died yeah. <laughs> three, three hours later. <laughs> literally yeah (laughs) sad but but um they they estimated that after he died yeah over a span of like 10 years they had published over a hundred thousand copies of the book oh my gosh wow it was translated um into like three um different languages within a couple of years because it was in such high demand amazing And, and he became popularized i think because of what he stood for, like, because mm. like word traveled, right. That he was mm. like this rebel preacher yeah. and that he was like, really like, you know, ruffling the feathers of the leaders yeah. in England and the church leaders. And, you know, obviously reformed theology had already swept through mm. a lot of the other European countries. And, mm. um, England was kind of, I guess, behind the times. So, mm. uh, to this day, it's been translated into 200 and I think, um, I think 200 languages. Wow. So, yeah. Amazing. So it's, it's really popular, but it just, it, you know, it's always after the death of someone that something takes off. Yeah. <laughs> you never know. Yeah. You never know why. Totally. It's like, how come these, you know, how come these people were not, mm. you know, just gold in the eyes of people in mm. their own time? Why was it always after their death? But perhaps mm. they were people who came before kind of like a John the Baptist to, you know, mm. prepare the way for the next generation totally. to, make, to make a way and to do a yeah. work that, you know, was, was maybe for the next generation, not yeah. necessarily for. Yeah. It's almost like they're writing prophetically or speaking prophetically totally. into the, yeah, the future. And especially yeah. John Bunyan with Pilgrim's Progress. I think that's been one of the most popular texts for, you know, many colleges and schools, as you said, Christians yep. everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we appreciate um, the sacrifice, you know, that he made totally. to get that. And I appreciate the things that he went through. And, and sometimes I think, okay, God, like what, how, like help me to see with spiritual eyes. Yeah. And I go through seasons where I'm, I feel like I'm suffering for no reason. Mm. Or I feel like things are happening in my life where I'm like, what the heck? Like, mm. why? Doesn't you make know? sense. Mm. Yeah, things that don't make sense. Mm. Help me to see with spiritual eyes because That's maybe so God is trying to bring something out of me too. So and good. perhaps God is wanting to prepare my heart for mm. something that's about to happen and for the next generation or whatever Amen. generation. So, yeah, um, yeah looking, at, looking at trials and looking at suffering with spiritual eyes, I think mm. – um, even just the way that he did, he must have had that, the sensitivity, you know? I mean, how do you not fall into depression? Like, how do you not, and maybe he did, 
And maybe that's where he gathered some of those deep revelations. Wow. Um, and yeah, gathered that's the nice. strength to write and, and be mm. under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So mm, totally. anyway. Now yeah. that's awesome, Tiff. Um, do you have any fun facts about John Bunyan? We like to try and sort of oh. poke and prod to find some unusual things about these people. Do you know you any know fun what? facts? Okay, so uh, one fun fact was that a bunch of the illustrations from Pilgrim's Progress were actually um, just um, actual places. So a lot of, <laughs> a lot of, yeah. So He's not example, being that imaginative. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, the, the straight gate. Yeah, uh, in Pilgrim's Progress is is a version of the Wicket Gate at Elstow Abbey Church. Oh, in wow! Elstow. And then the Very Slough cool. of Despond is a reflection of Squitch Fen, which was a wet and mossy <laughs> area near his cottage where wow. he lived. And then the Delectable Mountains was an image of the Chiltern Hills surrounding Bedfordshire, mm. and even characters like Evangelist um, were. Uh, reflections of some of the people in his lives that influenced him. Awesome. So, yeah, I thought that was interesting too. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, he drew inspiration from different people. Mm, um, very cool. So, you know what? I feel like I gave you all of my gold. <laughs> That's great. Straight out the gate. We, we love there was, that. That's cool. There was one, there was one, um, there was one, kind of a scandal that he was involved in. Okay. Um, but I thought it was really funny because today it's not a scandal. But back then, <laughs> yeah. back then with all of the like um, propriety, you know, like men and women's propriety, I yeah. guess there was a young woman um, that yeah. wrote, that he gave a ride home to. <gasps> and he did it. Yeah. And I think it was like on the on horseback or something. And I guess like that's a big no-no, right? Yep. So like I mean I I love Pride and Prejudice and you know all those old movies. Yeah, same. So totally. uh, like I, you know like it's propriety. It's not proprietors. Yes, and, absolutely. You don't so, give girls a ride on horseback. <laughs> no, no, you don't. And I, I believe I don't. Yeah, <laughs> it was like home from church and it was raining or something stupid like that. <laughs> And this girl was like, you know, word got out and the scandal grew and he was like, yo, like nothing happened. Like, I don't know, but the pe some people were just like up in arms about it. Wow. So that was one little thing that he, you know, That's fun. was involved in that he probably shouldn't have. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, he... Other than that, like, okay, so I thought I thought the the one story about his army days mm. when that kid came into his room was like switch places. Yeah, like, that's incredible. That that was crazy. Um, the the other thing I thought that was interesting that also is kind of scandalous is that he married an eighteen year old girl. Absolutely, you mentioned that before, and we didn't even highlight that. <laughs> and it was one year after his wife died. I mean. He did have four kids, so he's like, "Yeah, I need yeah. a wet nurse." <laughs> like, <laughs> need a wet nurse. He probably, he probably like put it in a local newspaper, you know. Yeah, yeah, must like, be able to breastfeed. Um, <laughs> so, so this guy, um, how old was he? How old was John Bunyan? Do we know if he had four kids? That's, that's an excellent question. Uh, 
he, I, I don't know how old he was, but I think he would have been in his thirties. Yeah. yeah. I think. Well. So, I mean, like, it wasn't like, oh, this like 50 year old man is looking. Yeah. Old, you know, but he still, it was old enough that like, clearly he was an eligible bachelor. If an 18 year old agrees. True. And, like, yeah, and okay, if some girls riding a, horse, riding a horse, be like, it's raining. Can you please give me a lift? <laughs> I don't know when that happened. I don't know if he was married or single or a widower. Or I don't know when that happened. Maybe but... she was the 18-year-old girl. Ooh. The plot thickens. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. And you know what else is interesting is that his first wife, they literally have no record of her. Yeah. It's they have no record of her, but they have a record of him writing about the two things that they got married with. Apparently they were dirt poor when they got married. Mm. Her father was uh, like a devout Christian. She entered the marriage with two books. Wow. One was on heaven and one was on piety. And that's all they had. And I thought that was interesting. Yeah. So, you know, like they just, they were just a cute little Christian couple with like yeah. nothing but, you know, two books. And beautiful. they made a go of it, you know? So that's. And it worked I mean, out well. <laughs> yeah, it worked out well, apparently. <laughs> But that does give you a glimpse of like how pov it kind of was in the 1600s. Yeah, totally. Like, you know, people Absolutely. are like, like I don't know, like where were the wedding gifts? You know, yeah. people were that. Poor. Were they the gifts? The two books? <laughs> I guess like she, like they were from her dad. So yeah, wow. Yeah, I thought I thought that was really interesting. Mm. He so one other thing he said while he was in prison. Yeah. Um, because I did ask this question of myself. I was thinking mm. like if my husband was in prison for preaching and mm. it was like going year after year and like, we're not being provided for as a family. Mm. Like, yeah. So apparently the, the, his wife, his second wife, Elizabeth did everything she could to get him out of prison. Yeah. And like, she appealed to the higher court. She appealed to whatever she tried to gather money to like pay, you know, the bail or whatever. And uh, to no avail, but he had said to her, um, Oh, I saw in this condition, I was a man who was pulling down his house upon the head of his wife and children, yet I thought I must do it. I must do it. Wow. I know. And I thought, like, at what point do you go, stop? Yeah. <laughs> stop doing this, John. Like, you're, like, he literally said, like, I saw the condition. I was pulling my house down upon my wife and children. Mm. And yet I thought I must do it. And I'm like, man, like yeah. what kind of a resolve do you have to have mm. and a conviction that like, this isn't just about, you know, like Lord, okay, provide for my family. But like, I don't know. I just like, mm. it makes, it, it spins my wheels a bit. So I do, yeah. I'd like to get into his head a little bit. And I feel like if we, if I read more of his work, I'm, I'm going to find out maybe some of those deeper thoughts. That's beautiful. Yeah, yeah Absolutely. Yeah, I want to go read Pilgrim's Progress again. I am same here. So good, yeah. <laughs> I'm excited to read this version to my kids too. Mm, yeah. Oh, that would be it. so fun. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Well, Tiff, thank you so much for telling yeah. us all about John Bunyan. I feel like I've learned a lot about John Bunyan. I hardly knew anything about him before this. So this has just been absolute gold and you are gorgeous. You're wonderful. Thank you so much for oh, being a good. part of the episode um if people want to find you where can they find you on instagram on yep you can find me on instagram uh you can find me um at bayfield beach here while i'm in canada (laughs) yes 
<laughs> when the borders <laughs> open and we can finally come to America. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, Instagram would be the best place if you want to follow. And yeah. is your handle at Finocchio T? It's Finocchio T, yes. Finocchio T. Yeah. Or, or Tiffany Voss. Or it's Tiffany just, Voss. It's, yeah, it's my email handle, so I just yeah. thought I'd keep yeah, awesome. No, thank you so much for being a part of it. And thank you everyone else for joining us today. It's been so good to have you with us on the Eagle and Child podcast. We'll see you next time. Thanks so much for tuning into the Eagle and Child podcast. That's all from us for today. If you want to support us, you can like, subscribe or drop us a review. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Eagle and Child podcast. We'll catch you next time. Much love.